it going, everyone? Welcome back to Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. This is our final episode on our 18 clubs in 18 days. And to celebrate the fact that we've made it to the end, we've actually got the whole gang here. So we've got Jono, Liam, and Will. Good everybody. How's it going? Hey, everyone. God, there's a lot of us here. This is It feels a bit crowded, to be honest, looking at the, the Zoom screen. Yeah, it's lovely to see all, uh, all our smiling faces. Look, 18 clubs in 18 days has been very ambitious. You know, I, I can't remember whose initial idea it was, but it was... Jono's. It was Jono's. I remember distinctly it was definitely Jono's idea. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I'll own that because I've had a blast here. How dare you suggest this wasn't a great idea? I, I don't think anyone said it wasn't a great idea. I don't think anyone said it wasn't a great idea, but it's just been an undertaking and a half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well... It really has been. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad we've done it. And the Sydney Swans are a very, very fantasy-relevant team coming in for our last one. So I'm keen for us to go out hot, guys, on this, on this final take. Shall we start off with a little overview, Mel, of the Sydney Swans? Yes, absolutely. So they started their women's program in 2018 with the Sydney Swans Academy. For Season 7, they'll be coached by Scott Gowans, who is an experienced AFLW coach, having coached North Melbourne in 2019 and 2020. As for their captain, though, we don't currently know who that's going to be at the time of recording. Looking at where their team has come from, though, a lot of players have pulled from the VFLW as well as their New South Wales competitor, GWS. Even noting that, much like Port Adelaide, who are the second club entering South Australia, we've got the second club entering New South Wales here. And they're obviously going to be making a concerted effort not to just be a replica of Greater Western Sydney Giants. From what we've read online in terms of how their their team has been put together, their coach has mentioned that he's really looking for a bunch of versatile players that can play across lots of different roles. And you can we can definitely see that reflected in the, the people they've brought in from both the VFL and other AF, AFLW clubs. It, it seems to me like they've really tried to target a type of player that they want rather than anything else. I was surprised to see that only eight players on their list are actually Sydney locals. It's a really mm. small, small amount. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of the, the interstate teams really do try to target local talent. And while they've got some good local talent there, it is quite a surprise, as you say, John, that they've managed to pull up quite a lot of talent, particularly from Victoria. Part of it as well is that, Sydney, of all the states that play AFLW, they're the one that state that has the fewest people playing AFL. And as a result, that probably has impacted their ability to pull in homegrown talent because there's just simply not as many players. Yeah, definitely the, a very strong rugby state. Well, look, I'm very excited to say that for this last episode, we did manage to get onto one of the Sydney Swans to help us out. Brenna Tarrant a key defender from the Melbourne Demons, but has gone up to join the Sydney Swans for their expansion year. Absolutely fantastic person, fantastic player. So glad we've had her on. And it's great to see her returning home back to New South Wales. Let's not stuff around anymore. Let's jump straight into that interview and hear a few insights that Brenna was able to offer us about the Sydney Swans earlier today. Brenna, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here. Now, we're very excited to talk to you about the Sydney Swans. But before we do that, I'd love to talk about your journey because you've actually started in New South Wales, headed down to Victoria to play for Melbourne, joining them back in the 2019 draft. Uh, and now you've come back up. That must have been a whirlwind experience. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, I suppose, how you ended up down in Victoria? 
Yeah, uh, I'd say my journey is a bit of a mental game of Tetris. Yeah, obviously born and bred up here in in New South Wales, lovely spot in the Blue Mountains. Um, So naturally just grew up knowing nothing about AFL, generally just didn't even know much about NRL as well, um, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, obviously my journey started all up here in New South Wales, did a bit of stuff with GWS before being draft eligible. So yeah, I've sort of been playing, touching a footy, having it in hand for I think it's about seven or eight years now. Um, so all through high school and then through my um, yeah, all through high school and then obviously into the AFLW and then yeah, right in my year twelve, my last year was my draft eligible year. I got picked up by the D's, fortunately, in with a late pick. But they didn't have very many early picks at all. So, yeah, I was very grateful to go to a good team, good home. Went down there and uh, sort of was fortunate enough to play a few games in my first season. Um, obviously, I was one of few interstate players. There were a few girls such as Elisa Day who were born in Sydney but have lived a lot of their life in Melbourne. So it was sort of really one of the only interstaters other than Crystal Petrovsky, who's now at West Coast. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate enough to go there, played finals in that year as well. I was fortunate enough to play um, right before the season cut short. So that was 2020 season. Yeah, got to play three seasons with Melbourne. All three seasons we made finals. My second season, I got a few more games. I think it was about eight or so games. Plus got to the prelim final. Last season, I only squeezed in about three, but got to be immersed in with a really great program and then obviously a team that made the grand final. So, um, yeah, I was very, very lucky to end up at a, at a team that was quite successful and sort of got the, un, like got the ability to have experience through finals and just through like a, a well-performing team. And then obviously that, that sort of really helped me come back to the Swans when the opportunity arose. It's quite interesting because, as you say, you've come from a, a very experienced side in Melbourne to, to a brand new team. So just 20 years old with 15 games, you're almost a, a veteran in the Sydney team. How's it been sort of starting up with that new squad as, as a player who's got that experience, even though you probably feel like you're not that experienced? Yeah, it, it's really funny because you sort of forget your age in this <laughs> team. Like, it's funny because it's still most of the team would be older than me. Um, I've just been fortunate enough to be drafted in my draft year um, and, and have that experience and be immersed in, in these programs for a few years now. So, yeah, it, it's funny to feel experienced mm. at, at my age. But I guess, you know, we're, we're not too bad in terms of experience. There's a lot of girls who have come from, Hawth- um, from Hawthorne VFL or um, I think there was one from Williamstown. We've got Geelong. We've got a few girls who have played finals or played a lot of VFL. Um, plus, we do have obviously Brooke um, Lachlan from the Bulldogs and a few girls that have played a bit of AFLW. So we're not doing too bad for experience, but um, yeah, it's it's quite funny to come in and then all of a sudden you're considered the experienced one. <laughs> and then obviously being still being 20 years old, it's sort of I'm still recognizing that I'm also still not experienced. So trying to 
still continue on with learning and and growing while trying to also help other girls learn and grow it's not actually that bad of a way of getting better yeah it's it's nice having that I suppose really spread of uh, different experiences from different clubs and bringing in a new culture together is is always a big challenge so it's it's great that you guys have been doing such a big effort up there at the Sydney Swans we've been having a lot of fun watching there was a, a huge presentation night that you guys did for all the jumpers and uh, we've seen a lot of team building activities how's that culture going yeah I think we were pretty fortunate to sort of learn the history of the swans and the bloods in in the men's space and obviously their transition from Melbourne from South Melbourne to Sydney we sort of were fortunate enough to learn that early and and the boys have been absolutely excellent in terms of wanting us to sort of learn the culture but giving us our own sort of book in the, in the series to write. It's been really phenomenal. I think we've been able to build our culture off their culture in that. So, yeah, it's it's been pretty seamless in terms of getting just like habits and the professionalism into a lot of these girls. Um, we've got a very mature bunch, which is really good. So it's quite easy to, and they're, they're very willing to learn and to challenge each other. And yeah, we've been really blessed to have been immersed in with the men's program on a few occasions, one being the jumper presentation, which was, it was pretty mind blowing and just sort of, you know, takes your breath away when you sort of sit there and think about what the night was and just realise and when you hear people like Luke Parker and Dane Rampey and that just say how much better the club feels to have another team it really just sort of makes you feel really welcome fairly instantly. So it's been nothing but seamless. And one of the, one of the things that's also really impressed us about the Sydney team is that despite only just joining the competition, you've got one of, if not the biggest membership base for, for an AFLW team. So that must be absolutely amazing to be part of. Yeah. So you sort of get pretty caught up in, you know, when, when you, you know, this, Instagram they post something on Instagram about us and you see the comments and all there is is excitement um, and it, it always brings you back to those new days when the AFLW was fresh and everyone was no, no one knew what to expect like it's that same thing and I think with what the league is now like there's just that excitement is going to keep building and yeah we've got a really really great um, you know group of supporters behind us and a lot of that we've got a lot of family, um, but even just like family that we're not related to that are just getting around us. There's so many people we've got, you know, we, our number one ticket holder um, was announced at our Jersey presentation and she's been, she got so emotional. And just to know that we have that influence as well is just like, it almost brings a tear to my eye every time I think about it. But no, we've been, the, the Swans as a whole and their their members the people who have really gotten around us it just makes us feel like we definitely are ready to hit this yeah we're we're very excited to see you know what comes in the, of this season coming up and one thing we're, we're really curious is what kind of game style you're going to be bringing out onto the big stage yeah i think um without giving <laughs> giving away too much um i guess in scott's sort of you know, speech when he, during our Jersey presentation, he doesn't have any, we don't have any intentions of 
coming into this competition lightly. Like we want to be hitting this competition. Like we're running through a brick wall. Like we just want to come in really hard. We want to show everyone this is our game style. We want to, you know, try and play to the numbers, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just sort of be predictable to ourselves, but unpredictable to everyone else. Yeah. You definitely want to be competitive right from day dot and, I know that the the Sydney men's team has got you know a very uh, well known game style that that blood culture that they've they've put together is fantastic. So definitely keen to see what you guys are putting putting together. Yeah, and I think um you know we've got a very a very young group of girls, and you know I think only eight or so of them are actually from Sydney. But um you know I don't think many people have seen Sydney footy, but it's very very cluttered. So simples where it's at. <laughs> Mm, definitely definitely uh one thing i guess we're, we're curious about is for yourself you've played a lot down back for for the melbourne demons but there seems to be quite a lot of players that have come across to the sydney team that are also key defenders yeah are you expecting to play in defense this year um yeah look to be honest i think over the past what eight weeks of pre-season my my role sort of shifted Everywhere originally it started out as being a bit of that uh, a, a midfielder, sort of a big-bodied midfielder, um, and then which who was potentially going to actually play forward. That's originally what it started out with, um, and then you know we, we were um, sadly uh, Alice Mitchell, one of our key defenders, went down with an ACL injury, and we sort of just lost a bit of a bit of height and someone who can maybe provide a bit of leadership I guess um down down in defense and I guess that's sort of where we sort of decided to make that switch where a few of us who originally had planned to set up in different positions um have sort of come back to our original our OG positions um from other clubs so yeah it's it's sort of changing by the week really um I know Scott's tried to collate a team of utilities who can play in any position based off how the game's going. So who knows, honestly, come game day, could be the rock. <laughs> yeah, because we've talked a bit about how it's a very, you know, young and inexperienced group for the most part at AFLW level at least. But a couple of the recruits that you did bring in were, were Maddie Collier and Bridie Kennedy, who've both also played those defensive roles. Is that something that, that they're sort of running through to give that defense a bit of a bit more of that experience, especially especially with Alice Mitchell going down. Yeah, I think well, at this stage, Bridie's sort of got the ability to play down in defense, but she's got such a tank in her; she can run a lot, and we want to really utilize that. So we're sort of not wanting to restrict her totally as a defender. Um, as I said it's chopping and changing every week, so who knows where she'll end up? But yeah, we're really sort of trying to. I guess get everyone to have a bit of a gist of I'll say the midfield and then what happens happens but Bridie's been doing a fantastic job around the midfield work and I'm sure if it was needed she'd do fantastic down in the back line as well as for Mad, she's sort of still recovering from a bit of a foot injury but um yeah hopefully hopefully she's good to go come round one if she is I think she's pretty likely to set up in defense or midfield as well I love that you're getting that spread of different roles and having the opportunity to move around because it is it is still 
putting together a new side, you really have that chance to, to play around with it a little bit. Um, one yeah. that we didn't expect would would be anywhere but the midfield, though, was was Montana Ham, the number one draft pick. How has she settled into this team? Because the highlights that we've seen have been fantastic. Yeah, look, she's one of our young, another young but experienced player. Again, for, for a team that is so youthful and inexperienced, someone like Montana Ham and Sophia Hurley as well, who have spent years upon years in AFL programs such as like the NAB Academy and stuff like that's considered experience for us for us at the moment but as well just to have fresh fresh eyes on the league and on the competition for someone who hasn't necessarily played in it is yeah she's been doing fantastic you know she's not she's not the loudest out there but her presence and just her strength and her work in the midfield like I think I marked up against her in the midfield and just watching her footwork and the way she moves around it's like yeah, there's a reason why she's number one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it must be thrilling for you guys to be, have picks one and two in the draft, kind of doing the opposite of what you did, which is going from that really crowded Victorian draft pool up into New South Wales. It must be really great to see that top talent is willing to come up there and help build this club. It's honestly been like fantastic. It was so good to have Montana and Sophia want to come up. And even speaking to a few of our other girls such as like Lauren Zagetti um, having chats to them and I'm like like how do you find it up here in New South Wales and they just sort of love that it's a real breath of fresh air Um, I know the one thing I noticed down in Melbourne is you feel like you never escape from footy yeah absolutely. Um, especially around work and that you know you're, you're sitting there at work and someone comes in and they're wearing their Carlton jersey or they're wearing their Melbourne jersey and you're like oh footy 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 and then you come up here and next thing someone's wearing a Penrith Panthers jersey it's like oh it's NRL <laughs> but it's just like yeah it's sort of a lot of the girls I think have found it really mentally refreshing and they're able to sort of come up here and continue to play really good footy but have that break when they need it I think it's been really good yeah to you know avoid injury but also just for them to have a break yeah absolutely <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely getting into injury season at the moment, which is you can see a lot of players are coming down with ACLs or just little nickels that are, it's really sad to see, to be honest. Yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of um, girls who sort of are going around again for the second time this year are feeling a bit sore. (laughs) And it's been really good to actually come into an expansion team where there's a lot of girls who didn't. You feel like you've got fresh legs, which is another really exciting thing about our team. We're really fresh. You know, there's a lot of us that are feeling sore. I know I felt sore the first uh, day of preseason when we're running a 2K time trial. I definitely felt it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we. I can't imagine how, you know, the 14 teams that played last season are feeling. But yeah, it's been a bit of a, bit of a stretch. A lot of us are feeling a bit niggly um, at the moment. We're trying to do as much as we can to just sort of keep that at bay to try and be ready for round one. On that note, I think, I want to talk to you a bit about some of the players that you've picked up from other clubs, in particular ones from your crosstown rivals, GWS. First and foremost, how does it feel knowing that you've got a, a rival ready-made there? Is, has there been anything talked about that or is it something that you're kind of focusing on Sydney first? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we have wanted to avoid is trying to create a second version of another team. And I think Scott's done a very good job at avoiding that. Um, and look, we've 
got Lisa Steen and Beck Privatelli and Ali Morfitt, three girls that are, you know, really used to that elite mindset and have come in and just embraced the new team as, as it is. You know, there's Ali's definitely ready to hit GWS hard. <laughs> um, I know a lot of them, I think, even, even myself who did a bit of like VFL training with GWS, we're just so, I guess, excited to have that rivalry. But then also generally just to play footy for for a new team for the red and white. Yeah, and Ali Morfa was one I wanted to to pull up with you because she's 18 years old and already 188 centimetres tall. I mean, she's probably going to go straight into the number one ruck roll at her age. That's that's pretty incredible, really. <laughs> yeah, we've got a few tall players, but Ali, yeah, she's she's again mastering a few roles which is what what Scott's been really big on but yeah she's mastering a few different roles yeah I think because we've got her and obviously we've got Bella Smith she's another tall ruck who yeah. played for Collingwood and Lexi Hamilton who's come from Gold Coast and North so we've got quite a few tall ruckmen should we need it but um yeah I don't know she's either going to be our our number one ruck or our number one full forward <laughs> Uh, from the sounds of it, she could also be the, the number one midfielder by the end of the year. So. <laughs> another another player you mentioned was uh, Lisa Steen. She's sort of been a bit on the fringes at GWS. They had quite a strong midfield. Is she one that could really burst out of the blocks with a bit more midfield time? Yeah, she's one that really puts motivation into the team when, you know, it's bucketing down up here in Sydney and we're running a 2K time trial or doing our conditioning sets and the range just hammering down on us um yeah she's been a really good motivator of the group and it really shows in her leadership but even just on the field watching her just always with that elite mindset whether it's midfield work or you know a, a drill she's the, she's the first one to sort of show you know that we're gonna have to we're gonna go through some hard times and we're going to have to try and push our way through it and yeah she's been a really good role model to a lot of these girls and she's always bright and bubbly and think you ever see her <laughs> down in the dumps yeah that's that's really fantastic to hear great characters to have at your club i suppose i guess the last recruits that we talked about was uh beck privatelli she's mostly been playing as that key forward role at gws so is she going to be that that spearhead for you guys or is she another one that's going to play through the midfield as well <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what honestly I think she's one of the few players that actually has a set position <laughs> um, yeah I think to be honest Priv has been really good even for our defenders just to learn what AFLW forwards are like um, she's yeah again same as Lise like she's always training with elite an elite mindset obviously she's had a really you know difficult few years and with um, GWS in terms of like being selected and being delisted and re-signed and that so you know she's the definition of resilient um, but yeah look at least we've got one set position I guess <laughs> we know where someone's someone's starting yeah I, I do enjoy that like if you're learning of her she's spent the past few years training with Cora Stanton uh, Staunton, sorry who's yeah. just the most impressive forward in the in the AFLW from my mind I can imagine that leadership should provide up forward would just be fantastic to the other girls. Yeah, who's going to be playing up there with her? Um, oh gosh, it's and it's hard to tell because sometimes Scott just puts me up forward. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> this is my birth. Uh, 
Um, yeah, look, it seems like we're going to try and, you know, roll a ruck or two up there with her, give give us some height um, and then just some real crafty small players really just to sort of um, aid them at ground level. Obviously, Prove can play both up in the air and down on ground, but to have a bit the best of both worlds alongside her, um, I could not put a name on who else is going to be there because we've got so many girls who are really pushing hard for selection super early. Um, so yeah, I couldn't even put a finger on it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's fantastic here that there's so much competition for those spots. It means that, you know, everyone's going to be trying their hardest. I suppose two names that I will throw at you are, are some of those recruits from the other teams, which was uh, the crafty small forwards that you mentioned. So you've got Alicia Newman and probably probably the bigger name is uh, Brooke Lachlan, who we mentioned before, brings a, a wealth of experience being a, a premiership player, league-leading goal kicker back in, in 2018. How, how's her experience really helped out the club because I, I, I gather she's been slated to be pushed up the ground a bit more to use her, her athleticism. Yeah, look, also playing in the midfield. <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah, no, uh, Brooke is same as same as Lise, just showing, just using her leadership. Obviously, she is one of our oldest players. Um, and I think that's what we needed was just someone who's going to show that leadership. Obviously, she's a real grit runner. Um, yeah, she she's always, she's never the best to play on. <laughs> Because she worked, her work rate's really, really, really hard. And, and the same with Alicia Newman. Like, she's just, she's come off a bit of a back injury as well. But um, yeah, I sort of said to her yesterday, like, it feels like you've been here for ages. But watching watching these those two girls play is just, like, it's exactly what the girls need and it's exactly what the team needs. Um, it's just these girls who are going to be able to stand up and, and sort of help the team through actions. And obviously, you've got Brooke and... And Lisa as well, who will, you know, speak up when, when it's needed. How are you guys going in terms of picking out a leadership group and, and potentially even a captain? Yeah, it's, it's definitely group voted. Um, and I think the really great thing about this team is that everyone's sort of wrapping their arms around each other and sort of saying, no, we're all going to lead in our own ways and we're all going to lead this team together. Um, in terms of the way the lead, a leadership team was sort of created was just around people who we could we saw we could trust um, and people who, you know, we, we know come game day are going to make the right decisions. But, you know, we, I guess the team probably will never actually settle on one leadership team. I think we're always going to chop and change that around because that's just what the team needs there's going to be someone at one time that's going to sort of poke their head up and and lead in just the way we need it so um look we have a leadership team which is full of you know a few of our afl or pre-existing aflw players plus a few of our our new girls so it's it's the best of both worlds really yeah, I mean, it must be fantastic to know that, you know, the players have got each other's back. You're all really buying into that. I suppose Blood's culture, which is something that will really hold Sydney in great stead going into the future. Yeah, I think that's been the really the really big thing that we've sort of really hell-bent on is just making sure we, we keep that culture through both teams and keep it as one club. Um, yeah, as as mentioned, like we we have chosen to buy into it, but write our own story in it. Yeah. Um, obviously we're, we're the first of the first. So it's important for us to set that, that expectation, that, that 
standard um, for next season and the season after. And I think we've already set it to a really good level. Thank you very much for coming on today and chatting with us. We've really appreciated your insights and and hearing about your journey through the the different you know New South Wales, Victoria, back to back to Sydney Swans. It's been fascinating. Before we jump off, though, one thing we'd be really keen to hear from you is uh, if there's only one player that we would want to be keeping our eyes on at the Sydney Swans this preseason, who would that be? Oh shoot, not an AFL pre AFLW player, but someone who has been really really impressive. Um, I'd say it's probably Amy Whelan. She's also come from Hawthorne, but watching a lot of, when you go and sit down and watch Vision, she's always making a good decision. She's always, same as same as Lise and all those other Apodope players, just doesn't stop running. She doesn't stop until the final siren. She's going to be really exciting. Yeah, that's a, that's a great little, little insight there. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Have a, have a great rest of your day. Pleasure. All right, welcome back. Uh, that was fantastic to hear from Brenna Tarrant there. I really loved her insight there about trying to create their own culture. They're not just trying to mimic what's happening at the Sydney Swans men's team, but they're, they're not just taking on Blood's culture. They're doing their own thing. And that's, that's just a really good point, I think, of how we, how we should start looking at this AFOW side. Yeah, absolutely. And the Sydney Swans have done a fantastic job of, I suppose, branding themselves as a new club entirely separate but also together with the men's um creating their own identity it's it's fantastic and brenner's insight was fantastic including a couple of surprise things such as brenner the inside midfielder we did not see that one coming no i don't know if anyone could hear the shock but i was thrown for a good minute there trying to figure out why an inside well a key defender was playing inside mid if it happens i'm fascinated to see how it goes you're just like also not even we're not even talking about the fact that the other tidbit that she gave us was she might also play forward like it it appears they've gone and tried to put everyone in new positions just to see what works yeah the more that i've looked at their team makeup post that interview i'm now i can now see it because they've got a lot of very versatile players it's definitely come through from their recruiting strategy it's it's worked so i think coming out of that let's jump into our ordinary line-by-line analysis and we might start with the defense because, you know, that's, that's what we usually do. Mel, do you want to try and walk us through what the lineup is going to be like for the Sydney Swans best 21 defender line? Yeah. So I guess the main thing that we've noticed when looking uh, a bit closer at the defense is that it's very young. Um, they've only got two players that actually have any AFLW experience in there from Maddie Collier and Renna Tarrant, who we heard earlier from. And even then, Maddie Collier is only 25, so still quite young. So Brina Tarrant has come across from the AFLW Melbourne team, where she had a key defender post. It'll be really interesting to hear if she is playing on the inside midfield, like she mentioned in the interview earlier, but we reckon she'll still be listed as a defender. We've also got Lexi Hamilton, who's come across from North Melbourne to join her sister, Cynthia Hamilton, who's also in the Swans that we'll get to later. Lexi is a versatile key position player. As with a lot of the people here, she is a bit of a utility. We've seen her play some ruck before. She played uh, ruck in the VFLW. She played a full forward in season six for North Melbourne. So a bit of everything there. And Maddie Collier, who's transferred over from the West Coast Eagles, 
She has played 15 games for GWS and 19 games for West Coast and is now coming back home to New South Wales. Also a bit of a utility player, just we've seen her described in a few different places as an athletic forward, a midfielder and a defender. So uh, probably going to be a bit everywhere as well. Although I think uh, we just heard in that interview that she's coming off a foot injury. Yeah, that's that's correct. I think Maddie Collier will be the one that they'll look for as the experience down back, despite that ability to play across the park. I think she's probably the one that will, will lead that defensive line. But as you say, coming off a, a foot injury is a, a bit of a concern. So a bit of a, a round one watch. Speaking of injuries, we also there was going to be Alex Mitchell, who was going to be in that back line as well, but has done her ACL. So they've lost a bit of height there. So it'll be interesting to see how their back line plays out, knowing that. Yeah, I think with what uh, what Brenner said, that injury to Alice Mitchell probably means that Brenner does start in that defensive role as we probably thought she would, just to give them a bit of extra height down back and and that a bit of experience. Yeah, I think it's the same about Lexi Hamilton as well because we know that they were probably slating her early on to be in that ruck or forward position, but you know when you when you start losing players of that caliber, you do have to start looking at different options and. As much as we, we've spoken to Brenna Tarrant, as she mentions, she's still a bit inexperienced, um, even though she has played a few games at that level. So I, I reckon they might try a few players. I think early on we'll be seeing a bit switching around. So Hamilton's probably one that might swing through there at some stage. Which, for those fantasy coaches who are listening, is a bit of a red flag immediately. Lots of role switching going around in a team that's quite young, much the same way as I had a bit of a freak out after the interview with Tara Bahana, hearing that they were cross-training everybody and playing in different positions. I think it might be another problem with Sydney as well, where there's going to be a lot of watching and waiting, at least for the first three weeks of the season, to see where players start to settle down. So Brenna Tarrant, I think she could be an interesting one because she's going to be coming in really cheap. She only played three games in season six, which means she's already going to be quite discounted. But then also she didn't have a huge score when she was playing. So she's, yeah, going to essentially be coming in rookie priced, but has some experience behind her. So she could be an interesting one from a fantasy perspective if this is going to be her year. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the other thing is just the fact that she has been training with the mids just means that even if she is playing that defensive role, it might just mean more confidence to go get the ball, um, which could be an increase in scoring. And as a, a bottom price player who's definitely going to play, that's not a bad thing at all. She was in a team where they had a lot of fantastic defenders. If you're in that Melbourne back line, you're going to assume that someone like Levy Birch is going to be coming across the chop out and, and provide some of that, I suppose, intercepting ability. I think where she's now going to be one of the key players in that back line and she'll probably have to take it upon herself to be that intercepting player or at the very least, if the ball's coming in, you can't expect to chop out. You've, you've kind of got that mentality of it's mine, I've got to go. And that is, I suppose, an opportunity that we we might really see her flourish this season. Another, unfortunately, red flag, though, is it does sound like as a taller player, she'll be playing a key position defender, which is typically not a particularly good fantasy role. So as much as she may come across and be an intercept defender, for all intents and purposes, all we've seen her really play at an AFLW level is as a key position defender which not that going to be that good if the midfield role is there that's a very tempting opportunity but if it's just a oh we just wanted to see how it would go 
type of situation, I'm probably not going to be as uh, a hot on it. I hear what you're saying because there will be weeks where she does have to play like a very serious lockdown role. But key position defenders in the AFLW have been, I mean, I would say it's a fairly good scoring position generally. Like you're going to have weeks where you're up against a Cora Thornton and you've got to just hold on for dear life. But there'll be other weeks where, you know, if, you, if you're playing on someone who is perhaps a little less experienced, the ball's, with any expansion team, the ball's going to be in that defence a lot. So at the very least, she's going to improve on her average. The question is, is it going to improve enough to justify picking her on your team? I agree yeah. with all of that, but to Liam's two points before, there's the role uncertainty as she's tall and might be moving through a bit, and then there's also the fact that if she is in that back line, she might have a core role, and to me it's just a little bit, like it's a, it, very exciting to watch. I reckon I'll be keen to watch her play and see what her scores are, but probably a little bit too risky to bring to my team for round one at least. The role uncertainty doesn't scare me at all because if she starts as a key defender and then she switches it up to an inside midfielder, Incredible. That's the dream. That's the dream for your key defenders is to start playing through the midfield. Jono's like, I'm hearing your red flags and I'm not hearing. <laughs> I don't think yes, they're alarming. It sounds like the greenest flag I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing for me, the other the other green flag to go with Jono's terminology there is job security. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> job security is for a defensive rookie prize player, Brenna Tarrant has the probably the best job security of the lot being the experienced, for lack of a better word, key defender so she's pretty much going to play every single week yeah i i see if if i do bring it into into my side she'd probably be a d5 and she'll probably sit in my team for about as long as jazz ferguson did last year about four or five weeks even then she was a key defender but she was hitting her 30s or 40s which is enough from a, a player who's player who's priced at 20 yeah, and with only three games last season, she's probably going to be discounted as well. So that's another thing to factor in. She's going to be even cheaper than that 26 price point. So moving on to the small defenders then, a couple of people here. We've got Eliza Vale, who has been drafted over from the Bulldogs VFLW. But we did hear that she might be coming back from an injury, so that puts a bit of unknown there. We've also got Bridie Kennedy, who is an interesting one. She's come from, or she played a couple of games for Carlton in the AFLW in 2018 and then went back down to VFLW to play for Port Melbourne, Williamstown. And then we'll go I, back. I think it's really interesting what's happened with Bridie Kennedy because back in the TAC Cup, she had joint honours for best and fairest player with Chloe Malloy, who we know has gone on to be an absolute superstar of the competition. She also had some of the best draft combine efforts with quickest 2k trial and top yo-yo score but since then she's she's not really gone on with it i guess and she had the opportunity to learn from brie davy and nicola stevens but god even if you look at her vflw numbers they're not particularly inspiring so i'm not quite sure what's happened there well i think that there is some interest for me in that her first season in the VFLW with Port Melbourne, she played entirely as a defender. So low scoring across the board, much to what you're saying, Jono, not a huge amount of interest. Last season, so 2022, with the move to Williamstown, started getting that more regular midfield time. And the one I want to highlight is round eight against Casey, scored a 92 with 12 tackles. So there is potential there. And she's going to be bottom price, and she's clearly an elite endurance player. The, I think the issue more for me is that I think she'll probably be listed as a midfielder 
And as a midfielder, you want someone coming in at that sort of price, which is going to probably score you around 50, 60. And I'm not sure Brady Kennedy is that player. You've stolen my point exactly. I think that that 92 with 12 tackles shows a really nice ceiling if she comes in as a defender. And you really saw her pick up those tackles after she made the move across to Williamstown throughout the last VFLW season. But outside of that game with 12 tackles, her highest was five. So not exactly the most consistent player. So maybe just one to think about, but probably not. Another interesting small defender that we've got here is Molly Eastman. So she was the captain of North Melbourne's VFLW side and has also played for the Falcons. Uh, when she was at North, she was runner-up best in Paris in 2021, has a really good average disposals per game of about 21 over her, her time. I really like Molly Eastman as a player. I think when, when Brenna was telling us about these players that have not necessarily got AFLW experience, but they're a little bit older, they're a little bit more capable players who haven't got their chance, I suppose. But this, this is one here where she's going to be a great leader in that back line. I think between her and Collier is probably the two experienced heads. And one of the scores in particular that stands out to me last season was against uh, Geelong in round 11 in the VFLW, she had a score of 108, which is a very high ceiling for a player in, in any back line because she was playing back pocket most of last season. If the ball's going to be spending a bit of time back in defense, she's one that I could potentially even see taking kickouts. And that's, that's got me a little interested. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on this one as well. I see someone who comes in with a little bit more experience and will be playing in defense for an expansion side. That's a, that's a pretty good combination. And then you talk about a ceiling of 100 plus. That's, again, just like another tick in the box. Now, I think there's still one tick missing, which is a bit of role consistency. So we'll have to see what happens in the preseason and whether or not that's going to translate across. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm watching pretty keenly on Eastman. Yeah, something I found really interesting is that if you look at Sydney's list, the majority of players that they've got there are midfielders. I think over half their list have run through the midfield at some point during their careers. So the fact that they've got Molly Eastman, who has always played as a defender and really has that consistency, I'm hoping that that means she's going to get regular game time back there. Some of the other players that we're looking at in that back line, you've got Ruby Sergeant Wilson, who's an 18-year-old Sydney Swans Academy player. She was their first AFLW signing, but with that youth, I can't see her necessarily being a, a regular player. I can see her getting a lot of games, but probably coming off the bench or, or something like that because she's a, a player that breaks lines, but I don't think is one that's going to be a shutdown defender. And then you've got Jade Anthony uh, is probably the only other defender that I see getting regular game time in that back line. Jade Anthony was a Hawthorne player coming back from the VFLW. Very, very courageous player. Like, um, it's if I could put a description on it, it's probably a shin boner is how I'd, how I'd describe in the way she plays. Really smart player, not afraid to put her body on the line. Not one necessarily from a fantasy point of view, but one that definitely gets ahead over the ball and, and has been concussed a few times, to be honest. So you, you can watch out for the helmet on the field as she plays. Yeah, I was, I was going to throw up Jade Anthony as a player to, to look out for, not necessarily from a fantasy perspective, because I think she will be one of the starting players in that back line. I think she'll take that small defensive role and be the main one to, to do that. Even if she isn't a huge disposal getter, she'd probably be a playing rookie, which is a, a good start. So not fantasy irrelevant per se, but... Oh, any, any rookie that plays consistently, you'll take. 
yeah, for sure. So definitely one to keep an eye on. So you guys have all kind of said that Eastman's looking pretty good for you. Is she someone that you bring into your starting side? If she's there round one, absolutely, I think so. I think that the Sydney back line is probably going to get a lot of the ball and she's a player that we know can get a lot of the ball in that defensive role. So getting those sorts of scores as a defensive bottom pricer is absolutely fantastic. I, I, I'm pretty certain that I'm going to have at least one Sydney defender that's sitting at D5. Now, which one it is, I don't know yet, but yeah, it, it, it's that kind of... You want to be trying to find defenders in expansion sides. Their ball's going to be down there a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. I think but for me, it's between Eastman, Tarrant, and Bridie Kennedy. I'm not sure if Kennedy gets that defensive status, but if she does, obviously yeah. she's got some potential there. Yeah, that midfield time for Bridie Kennedy just makes it interesting. So, yeah, that'll be a watch to see where she gets named. All right, I think it's time to move to the midfield then because there's a lot of players here to talk about. Will, do you want to run through what we think the Sydney Swans are going to line up as in round one? Yeah, absolutely. The The Swans midfield is really going to be made up a lot of the top-end talent they've got out of the draft. So they've got picks one and two, Montana Ham and Sophia Hurley, elite young talents, which will slot straight in, as well as a few of the other players, such as Cynthia Hamilton, who was the sister of Lexi, uh, and also uh, Paige Shepard, who's been drafted from Geelong VFLW. The Swans are a bit less in terms of the experienced midfield, which is going to make it quite interesting. The main experienced midfielder that they have brought in is Lisa Steen, who was traded across from GWS. Uh, she's a player that will probably look to get some more opportunity. And then you've also got players such as Sarah Dargan and Lauren Zagetti, who have come from Richmond and Hawthorne BFLW, respectively. They'll be looking to add a bit more maturity in there. But it's going to be quite an interesting mix, given that the big names, I suppose, are going to be those draftees. It's really interesting that they're going to be leaning on 18, 19-year-olds to be leading that midfield. And I'm not quite sure how it's going to go. It's It could go one or two ways in my mind. One is that these are top, top talents. Like there's no denying when you see their highlights that they're going to be superstars of the game. But a lot of it is probably going to be dictated by their confidence and how they, how they can lead in, how they do in those early rounds because you don't want people... You know, you don't want your players having a bad game or two, and then you suddenly you lose a lot of that competitive spirit in there. I'm hopeful that they do well. Ham is a contested beast, but I don't know, guys. We've been talking about Montana Ham for rounds now. Who's actually thinking of bringing her into their side? She's 100% already in my team, and the game isn't even opened yet. I made the mistake last year of only picking Presparkus and not going Presparkus and Robot to start the season. And I'm not doing that again. I am 100% bringing Montana Ham in. She looks like Charlie Robotham, but with a better outside game, uh, like near guarantee. Yeah, she's a must. She, like, she's going to be so cheap. She's going to have so much potential. You've got to bring her in. See, I'm kind of of the opposite, where I think Montana Ham is going to have to shoulder an incredibly heavy load in that swans midfield from a very early point in her career the one that actually interests me is sophia hurley more of an outside player but averaged 10 tackles for the western jets so she's got those tackles that we know is very very important for boosting the scores we're not quite sure on the pricing structure yet but will likely be slightly cheaper than montana ham and if i can save a couple of dollars there and hopefully get a player who might be a bit better that's probably where i'm going to but honestly i think i'm going to flick back and forth a lot on these two 
think the reason why I prefer Ham is an inside mid on a team that might not do particularly well will probably have a better time of getting near the ball than more of an outside player who's reliant on the ball being extricated from a stoppage out to them. If you're not in and under a lot, then you're probably going to struggle to score. I'm going to do a Jono and take your red flag and turn it into a green flag, which is you say she's going to have to shoulder a lot of what's going on here at Sydney because of their kind of quite junior midfield. But I hear that as a great thing. She's going to be doing a lot of work. She's going to be getting the ball a lot, touching the ball a lot. Great potential to rack up the points. Oh, for sure. And my worry is more that opposition teams are going to put effort into her to stop her. That's more my my concern. And that just speaks to how good this player is. She will, from day dot, attract teams to go, all right, we need to stop Montana Ham before she's even played a game. Is it baffling that we're already talking about her being tagged? It's not even round one yet? That's, that's insane. To that me. is baffling. <laughs> like, it is a bit baffling. But here's my counterpoint. Do you tag a player on a team that I think may struggle to win a game? I suppose I'm less talking about a tag rather than just curbing influence. That's probably where I'm looking at it. I think I think Sydney is a team that is going to have to put in a lot of midfield minutes to young players just simply because that's all they've got. And as a result, they're probably not a team that many teams are going to employ a tag against, but that doesn't mean you don't want to stop them having influence. And to me, the difference between Hurley and Ham is Ham is that one that will have that big influence if she plays really really well. So you might want to put one of your bigger bodies in just to stop her around the stoppages to make sure that she's not having that influence. But at the same time, we've seen how talented she is. Both her and Hurley are going to be superstars of the game. So I really think you can't go wrong picking either or both of them, as you've suggested, Liam. One of the draftees that you mentioned that I'm not too sure about is Cynthia Hamilton, because on one side, uh, we saw that she was amazing in the match sim against the Giants and great goal kicker as well, you know, coming in cheap, has great potential. But on the other hand, when we talk about kind of the role certainty, I've seen a quote from the coach saying that she's she's comfortable anywhere on the field. And we're seeing that pretty much as a description of most of the Swans players. But it makes me wonder if she's going to spend what portion of her time in the midfield versus in other places. Yeah, it's a good question. She is a notable goal kicker, which is I mean, amazing if she's a midfielder, but also a flag that they might want to put her up forward. I'm kind of relying on the fact that uh, our our Lord and Saviour, Sarah Black, has put her in the midfield for her best 21. And that, to me, seems very reliable information. But who knows at this point? See, I'm kind of hoping, I agree with you there, that she plays midfield but is possibly even listed as a forward. Because if she's a forward rookie, all of a sudden that really skyrockets her up in terms of your calculations. That's a whole different... That's a whole different question. (laughs) But yes, that would be amazing. I think one that we haven't really talked about so far is Paige Shepard. So Paige Shepard has played 30 games for the Geelong Cats in the VFLW. So has had that VFL experience, which is good, playing against some of the bigger bodies. And we've seen that she, she loves to tackle, loves getting her hands on the ball, and has averaged some really good scores in that VFLW. So she's a small midfielder. And is a player that, you know, will be fighting for midfield spots amongst some of those top-end talents. But there's definitely some interest from me there as a player who might be a bit cheaper than those first-round draft picks that could score you some really good points. I think the 
and I, I agree that having a player who can get 12 tackles is a really great thing to have. I think the flag with someone like Paige Shepard is she's only 157 centimetres tall and going up a grade. I would be worried that she might get a bit overawed by the size and speed that comes with it. Not to say that clearly a competent player, but that would just be a red flag for me. Yeah, to me, the, the comparison here is Tyler Hanks. Tyler Hanks, superstar player, also 157 centimetres. And we've seen that she can play that inside midfielder role really, really well. With the likes of Montana Ham in there, Cynthia Hamilton possibly in there as well. You just wonder if she does end up on maybe a, in a forward pocket or something like that, which doesn't lend itself to that fantasy scoring. And even if she does have the ability to go through that midfield, the the the, the chance to do it just won't be there. Just because apparently, according to, to Brenna Tarrant, every single player is running through that midfield. Yeah, and another player that we do think is probably going to start in that midfield is Lisa Steen. Coming from the GWS Giants, she is a fantastic, fantastic inside midfielder that has been stuck playing outside the past couple of seasons because with Alicia Eva and Alice Parker there, you've just got better contested ball winners. Yeah, Becca Beeson as well. So to me, this is, Lisa Steen's a super interesting player because she's averaged 33 last season. So on your first look, would say that's nothing special. But as we say, she is the experienced body in there. She basically has to play that midfield time if they want to have someone who's not an 18, 19-year-old in there. So I think there's a, a really big chance for her to have some some big upside considering she's very likely to get the minutes. Yeah, she's one when I look at her that kind of falls into that bucket of people that we really want to see in expansion clubs where they come into a new team, get some more space, get better scores, um, hopefully more mid uh, midfield minutes as well. But given how low her score was, she's probably going to come in priced at like below the bottom end of that mid-price madness. So she has the potential that for kind of a, a lower price, she can get those middling scores and then be a good one to kind of start with, make some cash off and then upgrade midway through the season to, to someone else, which is how I see her kind of fitting into this. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think she's probably not going to be going all of a sudden from a 33 up to an average of 80 plus. I think that's probably a step too far, but I agree. If she can hit sort of mid fifties to 60, she's a player that can make you a fair bit of money, score you some really good points ahead of maybe some other players and then get you maybe up to one of those players who can average 80 plus. I think it's a real line ball call here because if I'm getting a player that's going to average 50 to 55, I'm not paying up for Lisa Steen at a price of 33 when I can get a rookie who might be able to do the same. I think if we had to bring her into our sides, she almost needs to get to 70. That would be the number that I'm looking for, which is a really big ask because, I mean, Kirsty Lamb is an example of a player who averaged 70 last season. Mm, yeah, huge ask. I think it's probably a bridge too far, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on. The only other one that I thought was kind of interesting was from a fantasy's perspective, Sarah Dargan. Not the most fantasy relevant, I will admit, but she only played three games in season six. So she's going to be coming in discounted off her kind of 42 average, so quite low. She's shown that she can kick goals uh, and she's played quite a few games. She does have a little bit more experience than some of the others. But then again, she hasn't really scored above 40 very often and very often at all. And she doesn't really look to me like she's going to have that potential to improve at all necessarily, let alone the massive jumps that Johnny wants to see. I, I think that's fair. But I think the thing about Sarah Dargan for me is 
she fits similarly into the Lisa Steen category where she struggled to get regular midfield time despite being highly rated as a inside midfielder. Basically, she's had to sit behind Monique Conti at Richmond, which is a very hard ask to get ahead of Monique Conti. So she's one that's played a fair bit of forward time. And I think if she is a player that is listed as a forward, there might be a bit of value there just as a, you know, a lower price player who could maybe push that average up because we sort of said it was Steen, an average of 55, 60, maybe not great in the midfield, but as a forward, that's pretty good. I'm I'm just on this pod to just throw red flags up at everybody because I know you say she was stuck behind Mon Conti, but that's been the big thing at Richmond is they actually don't have a massive number of inside midfielders and even had to draw from their VFLW side for someone like me and Kylie. The fact that she couldn't crack the midfield at a team like Richmond, that's a massive red flag for me from a fantasy perspective. I think it sounds like they're going to need more bodies to roll through the forward. So it's not one that's very high on my list at the moment. I couldn't agree more, to be honest. I, the fact that they were struggling last year with injuries, players like Ellie McKenzie had to come back a little delayed into the season and they still couldn't give Dargan the minutes that from the outside it looks like she deserves. So there, there must be a thought that she is either too important up forward or doesn't have maybe the engine to be running through. I'm not quite sure. But I, I at the very least, looking at Dargan and then a couple other players like Amy Whelan here, I think a lot of them are going to have to play forward just on the basis that they probably don't have a lot of the small forwards at Sydney. So before we jump into that, I think I might get, Will, if you want to jump through the Sydney forward line for us, just to give us an idea of how they might line up there. We've heard from Brenna Tarrant that basically the one guaranteed player who will be a key position player is Beck Privatelli. Came across from GWS, has been playing as a strong marking key forward for the last couple of years at GWS been able to kick a, a lot of goals up there and take some strong marks. I think that the, the thing that is quite interesting for, for Sydney is that they're looking to roll a lot of their ruck depth through that forward line. We've got Lexi Hamilton, who we've talked about before, could go back, could start forward, could play in the ruck, who knows. The other one's Bella Smith, who's played a bit in defence, but could also play up forward. And also Ali Morford, who we'll talk a bit more about when we talk about the rucks. But yeah, but Beck Privatelli will take that key defender every single week. Uh, and in terms of small forwards, the small forwards is where there's a bit of interest for me because they're brought across Alicia Newman from from Collingwood, but also Brooke Lachlan. And I think Brooke Lachlan's the one that we're going to talk about a lot. Yeah, I'd be keen to start with her because we're very much hoping and expecting that Brooke Lachlan doesn't play as a small forward at all. She has a lot of experience that the midfield are needing and she could be up on a wing is our expectation. Yeah, the first thing... Uh... Brina said when we mentioned or when you guys mentioned Brooke Lachlan was that she's playing in the midfield with a little bit of a, a cough to her voice. So that makes me think that she's uh, she's definitely going to be up there, which is exciting. Then you've got someone playing in the midfield listed as a forward. And the other thing and- that I really do like about Brooke Lachlan playing on the wing is that she's played on the wing for the Bulldogs and done well at the role. She ended the 2021 season, so season five, on the wing and had two games where she had 20 and 23 disposals and fantasy scores of 74 and 88. So that to me says she knows what she's doing on that wing. She can use her, her massive tank to, to get to the ball, both be a link player and also, you know, a contested player as well. So I think there's a lot of value in Brooke Lachlan. And potentially even a goal kicker because she kicks, she's got the record for the most goals kicked in an AFLW game with seven. 
And the other little green flag for her is that she's probably coming in with a discount uh, because of how many games she played last season. So there's a lot of exciting things going on here. I might what jump you- in before Liam throws up the next red flag here, which is that being an excellent goal kicker is not what we want. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Exactly what I said. If she goals for them, she's not going to be scoring for us because she'll be stuck oh, in a forward pocket. I You've been I, listening to me talk for too long. Oh, that's my favourite red flag. Two good goals. I think, I think the thing about this is the, the reason I think that it's not a red flag is because I think she has the ability to kick those goals. So she may float forward and add to those wing scores with goals, lest she'll be relying on goals to kick them. So to me, it's a bonus rather than a red flag. If she's playing as a permanent forward, Yes, that's a red flag. But I think it's an added bonus that she knows how to kick a goal. And if she's kicking goals from the midfield, that's brilliant. That's what I meant. I agree <laughs> with that, Will, that you just said what I tried to say, but you said it better. Now I'm really <laughs> in for the <laughs> red flag. Yeah. No, well, I, I certainly think, I think hope the, so. Yeah. I think the problem, though, and we kind of touched on it earlier, I, it's interesting to hear that she's playing through the midfield because someone like Brooke Lachlan, I had penciled in prior to that interview as being a key part of their forward makeup, just given the relative inexperience they have running through their forward line. Interesting to hear that she will run through the midfield, given she does have that wing experience. Here's a question for you, though, and this is, you know, can draw on AFLW and AFLM. Do we think that the wing role is a sufficiently high-scoring role? I think it depends on the player. It's it, it that's a bit of a cop out answer. I'll say that, but I think if the, if the player that fence is, you're sitting on is enormous. It is enormous. <laughs> I think I think there are players. The role itself, I would actually argue, is probably not a very good scoring role. But I think a player like Brooke Lachlan is a player who can make that role their own and get those marks on the outside and push forward. I think a good a good comparison would be Britt Benici, who we've talked a bit about in the Collingwood episode, who was really good at getting out on that wing taking those marks and just burning off her opponent with superior endurance. And if you've got a player like that, which is a rare player, then it's a fantastic role, but there aren't many players who can do that. Yeah. The other thing I suppose is we're not talking about picking a winger who's listed as a midfielder. We're talking about picking a winger who's listed as a forward. And that's a big, a big difference here. I don't see any winger averaging more than 65, 70. I think someone like uh, Lily Mithin played on the wing a little bit last season, and that's probably the... It could have also been Orla O'Dwyer as well. They're probably yeah. the, the pinnacle for, yeah. for wingers. And I just, yeah, I'm just not 100% sure I, I pick a winger kind of ever, just because it's so easy for someone to get lost on a wing if you get stuck on the fat side and there's just no ability to come across and get to the contest, which is why it's just be wary you know there will be some really nice juicy scores some week but then there could be some pretty you know t- terrible 30s yeah and i suppose to Jono's point if you're looking at that as a midfielder you'd be worried but to me the fact that you could have a forward averaging that 55 to 60 moving up to us towards a 70 to me from a, from what we expect her to be priced at that high 30s to low 40s i think that's worth worth that risk even if you do cop a few low ones in there couldn't agree more and the other thing is that i think brooke lachlan is probably going to be announced soon to be the sydney swans captain we're yet to see that announcement but she's taken the number one she's by far the most experienced player there the only premiership player on the list it well, seems number one at the bulldogs Jono. bear in mind yes and she was also <laughs> vice captain there for a time i i see that as as a tie-in i'm, I'm very hopeful that she's going to be that 
You heard it here first. Jono is announcing on the podcast before it's been announced out in the public that he thinks this is the captain. So excited to see what happens. I'm exceptionally confident. I really hope they don't <laughs> announce it before we release this episode in the like very short time period. Yeah, if they can <laughs> just announce silly. it just after I've edited the episode, but just before we announce it, that would be just chef's kiss. <laughs> That's what we're good for, red flags and hot takes. But look, before we jump off the forward line, there is another player that I'm pretty keen to discuss. And it was the player that Brenna Tarrant actually listed as her player to watch at the Sydney Swans for season seven. And this was actually a Hawthorne player, a former Hawthorne VFLW player in Amy Whelan. So she's another mature age utility from the Hawks, but she can rack up the touches. I think coming into last Hawthorne season, she started the season on fire, but it's the, you know, it's the consistency with which she was racking up over 20 disposals. And I suppose when you combine that with Brenna's comment about when they're looking back at vision, she's the one doing the right thing. She's making the right calls. I was a little bit worried initially that Whelan was kind of going to be put out on a, a half forward flank and not touch it. But if she is actually brought into that midfield fold, and that's another that could be, could be quite relevant to our teams. Yeah, something that does really interest me from a VFLW stats is her game against Williamstown in round six, where she was named on a halfback flank but racked up 30 disposals with 21 kicks. So if you can get a player who can get so many kicks like that, that is just fantastic for fantasy. Interesting, she played Williamstown three games in a row. To yeah, end. <laughs> I, I can actually explain that. She went back to play for Williamstown in the back half of the season. But every time that they played the Hawks, she would then flip over to the Hawks side and play for the Hawks, which I can't quite explain why it happened. I find it hilarious. But if you add up the two halves of her season, one at the, the Hawks and the other for Williamstown, she was really up there in the VFLW Coaches Association Player of the Year. So clearly one that coaches love to, to have out there on their side. So for those that playing along at home i think that's now about eight separate people that are running through the midfield at sydney uh which is oh funnily enough another red flag <laughs> yep that's something that as soon as uh brenna brought it up with us we were just like this is going to be a nightmare to figure out who's going to <laughs> so worried yeah the fact that brenna tarrant straight away said yep i'm also playing as an inside midfielder was something that we were just like they've got so many and they're going to throw their key defender in there as well yeah, like, we haven't even I, I talked we, about Lauren Segetti. We haven't even talked about Ella Heads, Montana Berolson, Sarah Ford, all midfielders that have great VFLW records. No idea. No idea. And I, I know that we're going back a little bit, but the, the ability for you guys to stay apparently cool, calm, and collected when a key defender says, yeah, I'm all through the midfield. Like, I don't know if we can understate. That never happens. Like, I, literally never. It's basically the only comparison I can make in the AFLM is Mark Blitzavs. That's the only thing I can think of. But yeah. Sort we, of? <laughs> and it's not even that close. But I but we, I can affirm that after the interview happened, we spent a good five minutes going, what? What, what was that? So. Yeah. Look, I can see it because I think she, I mean, she looks like a great player, Brenna Tarrant, but it just, it really threw us just for a hot minute there especially given they've just recruited possibly the best young big bodied inside midfielder in the country in Montana ham. Yeah. It's an interesting strategy. 
So should we chat about the rucks, finish it off? Yeah. Yeah, we uh, have a very good ruck here in Ali Morfitt. Last season was her first season in the competition for the GWS Giants, and she's come across to Sydney after that first season. She was really, really fantastic in that role. She was dual or sharing ruck time with Erin McKinnon, but like basically came out of the blocks on fire, was very impressive, great tap ruck work, probably not getting the ball as much around the ground. But I think there's a good chance here that she's going to be taking the lion's share of the hitouts this season. I think Bella Smith is one that might share a little bit of ruck time with their Lexi Hamilton as well. But if she can get the majority of the time in the centre, at the very least on the back of hitouts, she's going to improve her scoring quite a bit. Yeah, and she's still only 18 as well, so heaps of development still left in her too. Yeah, from a hit-out perspective, it's interesting you say how she was sharing it with Erin McKinnon. I was having a look down her scores, and in round five, the number of hit-outs she got just absolutely spiked up to 24. Uh, and on further investigation, that was because Erin McKinnon wasn't playing that game. So it looks like she has the potential to get up there. And so hopefully if she can get more more rack time, she's got the potential for a much better score. Do you know who she played in round five? Leah Cutting. Old mate. Of course, old mate, but she wasn't in my side at that point, so it, it, it was fine. No, I reckon that the, the one problem with that, and I, I totally agree, she obviously had a great game, or a better game against Kilda. She only had seven possessions, though, and that's a reason to be a little bit concerned. She is one of, of the two mid-priced rucks that I think exist who have some room for potential. I think she's second on that list to Celine Moody. I think that until we see a higher possession game, she is probably not going to be a fantasy ruck to own. Yeah, it's tricky when you've got these in the middle. Like a lot of our strategies when we talk about rucks is either rookies, Liam, or set and forget kind of elite experience rucks on, on Jono's side. And she's kind of in the middle. So she, I think it's a, a very third, a third choice for your ruck strategy. To me, she's a player that fits into that category of rucks that we look at now and say they have all the potential in the world super highly regarded super athletic but at just 18 years old at the moment i would probably be looking elsewhere and watching for her development and possibly getting her on the breakout year in a season or two's time so just on that if we look at i suppose a, a comparison point in celine moody celine moody came out and averaged 18 in her first year 33 i think it was in her second and then Last season, pushed that up to over 50. I think it was 56 in the end. Ali Morford's come out in her first year as a first-round draft pick and averaged 34. I just, in terms of someone who could exponentially grow, we could be seeing the start of a, of a real star ruck. I, I definitely agree with that. To me, Ali Morford is one of the young rucks to me that has the biggest potential for growth. And I think that... It would definitely be a risk to go for Ali Morfitt this season, but there is a huge payoff if you do take that risk and she does continue that exponential growth, as you say, Jono. Yeah, it's a high, high risk, high reward play. Look, I think we know my thoughts on the rocks at this point. I don't think that the reward is, is justified. I think that if Ali Morfitt has a breakout season, she'll still be affordable as an upgrade from a rookie ruck uh, and maybe say round three or round four. Whereas if you try and start with it, you're going to be in a really awkward position if you want to try and get up to a much more highly priced player or trying to pick a rookie where you've actually already lost 
a few weeks of their most high, like, you know, high earning potential weeks and where you see rookie rookie players struggle towards the back end of the season. So it's not a strategy that I see being one that I would employ and I would implore others to also not, not go along with that. So something that we've been doing for each of the expansion clubs when we get towards the end, if you could only pick one player from Sydney to put into your fantasy team, who would it be and why? I might jump in here. I think my favourite player is probably going to be Brooke Lachland. To me, she screams great value as a forward who could come out and be in and amongst the top five forwards. It's it's hard to pass up on someone who has that potential and is going to be priced at 40 or under. I'm going to jump in here and go Brenna Tarrant. I think she's got, I mean, I know that we've raised a lot of flags about her position and all of that, but I think she's going to be a really interesting one to watch and she's going to be coming in super cheap. So there's only upside from here as long as she plays in round one. I'm I'm all on board with, uh, with the hamster. Montana Ham, she's in. She is someone that I'm going to have in at my M4, she'll probably be the first player that I put in my team when it when the game opens. And I'm just going to play devil, devil's advocate to Liam and say Sophia Hurley, for me, is the draftee to pick. Great. I love making decisions purely because they're opposite to what Liam said. So <laughs> That was literally half of your team creation in round one of last year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, it paid off. Well. You want a hat. <laughs> <laughs> it paid off. It paid off and you won a hat. But then you also picked Lucy McAvoy just because you saw that I didn't pick her and that didn't work. Look, there were many mistakes made in season six. We don't need to dwell on it. And that's um, to fix those mistakes. Yes, exactly. Oh, so we might leave it there. That's 18 clubs done. Yes. Done. Finito. Yeah, guys, big effort. Very proud. Very proud. We've done a great job there. Hope anyone's been listening. That would be nice. <laughs> nice to hear you're <laughs> patting us on on the back on behalf of the listener there, Jono. Yes. That's great. Yeah, oh, it's, it's how I feel, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to listen to them every time they go up to make sure nothing's gone wrong. So I do feel like our, our most loyal listener there. <laughs> so we have got through 18 clubs, which we always knew we were going to do. But the real question here was if we're going to get them done in 18 days or not. And we have achieved this. Fantastic. So... Uh, what's next, you ask, because you're such a loyal listener and you've done all 18 clubs and you want to keep listening? Well, there is more coming. We're going to be talking through each of the lines individually, also a little bit about strategies, and then we're going to get into the season. The game will be open and we'll be starting to put uh, some plays in our side and having chats about trades. So lots more to come. Well, we are Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're on all of the socials and you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Mel and you can find me on Insta as Hi Mel D. I'm Jono and you can find me on Twitter at Odds and Steven. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LMTom1. And you can find me on Instagram at WillH underscore VI. Chat later, everyone. Thanks, everyone. See ya.